This has come to the table. Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. These studies are presented every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at our church at 3800 East Pershing Boulevard in Cheyenne, Wyoming. If you'd like to contribute to these studies, you can make a donation at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY dash giving. Amen. Amen. So we're in First Peter. As we've been for a few weeks and we've got a ways to go yet. And then the question will come up eventually, do we continue on into Second Peter or do we go somewhere else? But tell you what, let's cross that bridge when we get a little bit closer to it. So First Peter, we're in chapter 2. And I believe we left off last week, we, we left off in the eighth paragraph, paragraph that begins in verse 17, where the apostle says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Now, this is part of a larger teaching on earthly authorities and what the Christians' relationship to earthly authorities are, because there were some Christians in the ancient church that had, and I don't know where they got the notion from necessarily, they might have just thought of it, it got the idea that since, well, I'm exempt from the law, I'm no longer under the law of Moses, I'm now under grace, and so therefore I'm also above the law of men, and so I don't have to be a law-abiding citizen. Well, in the previous paragraph, that begins at verse 13, the Apostle Peter dismantles that notion. He says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. And that's the explanation for it right there. It's like, yes, you may not be under the law of Moses any longer because it has been fulfilled in the person of Christ and we are in Christ. Therefore, we fulfill the law just by being in Christ. That might sound sketchy, but it really is not. Okay. But just because we are under the grace of God now, and that is, uh, that's key in our, in our, in our self-governance or in our God-governance of our lives, doesn't mean that we're above the laws of men. Because if for nothing else, if for no other reason, we want to have a good testimony, don't we? We want to make, we don't want to, we don't want to create a bad image of the church in the eyes of the world. Now we're going to do that enough just in standing up for the right. We want to have a good testimony in the community, in the, in the city that we live in. We don't want to present an image of lawlessness or of anarchy. So he says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Now there's a, there's a much deeper teaching even in that. We were in that last week, and I don't want to backtrack too much. We want to move forward. So in this paragraph, he tells us to honor all men and love the brotherhood. So all men is all men, not just Christian men. Honor all men. There's a certain baseline courtesy and respect that is owed to everyone. And frankly, the old saying holds true. You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Is that the saying? 
ought to know my sayings before I start rattling them off. But it's true. You know, if you show people respect, then it's it's a law of sowing and reaping. Then as a general rule, people will show you respect. I know there's always exceptions to that. But generally speaking, if you love people, more people will be prone to love you. Likewise, respect and courtesy, dignity, civility, and these sorts of things. So he says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And then he begins talking about servants. Now, in our age where no one in here is a slave and owned by another person, you might feel like a slave sometimes to your employers, but sometimes not. It all depends on who you work for. This translates perfectly over into the relationship between a Christian employee and his employer or her employer. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. And you can usually swap that word out with respect. Fear, respect, I won't say in every case, but I would say it's, it's a very, it's a very close, it's a very close relation there. Be subject to your masters. Be subject to your bosses. Be subject to the earthly authorities to whom you are subject. Be subject to them with all fear. And then he goes on to say, not only to the good and gentle, not just to the good boss who respects your values, but also to the rotten one who's mean and insults what you believe. The froward, the aggressive. He says, be subject to them as well. Now, blessedly, okay, living in a free society, if you have a horrible boss on a horrible job, you are free to quit the job and go find another. Thank you, Jesus, for that freedom, really. And I've been on some jobs that were pretty bad. And I threw in the towel on those things, voted with my feet and worked somewhere else. But if you're going to stay on that job, you need to be subject to the boss. Now, all of that's within, all of that is within the same confines that, that establish hard limits around any earthly authorities. And it seems like I can't, I can't stride into this subject matter without having to clarify this and make sure that we understand it rightly. Okay. There are earthly authorities that are established by God. Yes. Bible even says as much. God sets up authorities. God tears down authorities. And we are subject to those authorities. But this raises a question. Are there hard limits to the authorities of man? Or are we to be subject to them in absolutely everything that they require of us? Now, I'm not going to be too careful to answer this because it, it seems a no-brainer, but sometimes we can get it mixed up in our minds. There are hard limits to all earthly authorities. This opens up a broader subject. They'll just try to touch on it, clarify it, we'll move on. Well, what are those hard limits? Okay, if I'm supposed to be subject to my masters or subject to my employer or subject to uh, my husband, if I have a husband, or subject to my father, if I have an earthly father, and certainly we're all subject to Christ, Okay, well, that's not an earthly authority in the same sense. The others are human authorities, not so much Christ. Um, well, what's the hard limit? Where any authority of man requires you to sin. That is a brick wall. Now, okay, give me a Bible for that. Okay, fine. Let's, let's talk about the book of Acts when the apostles were hauled up before the chief priests and, and the elders and and uh, and. Probably, I don't know if the Pharisees were, were overmuch involved in that. I know they were involved, but they were hauled up before a group of religious Israelite authorities and charged and then beaten. They were told, do not preach or teach in the name of Jesus. 
What did the apostles say? One of the apostles that was among them said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now that's very clear. So where there is a conflict in authorities, which one does the Christian choose? The higher one. Okay? So you got a boss that expects you to lie for him or to commit fraud or something like that. And that's not a stretch at all. I've had bosses that have wanted me to do that. So what I will, they're my boss and I'm supposed to be subject to them. Not insofar as they require you to violate the word of God. Uh, well, well, if I do violate the word of God, though, won't he take the blame for that? Oh, no. Uh, well, yeah, but so will you. Because everybody's got to answer for their own actions. Amen? Else the apostles, when they were stood up before their authorities, before the, the authorities of Israel there, the religious authorities, and they were charged not to preach and teach in the name of Jesus, what should they have done? Just, okay, all right, we'll stop. That would have been the end of Christianity right there. That would have been the end of the gospel, the end of the truth. So certainly there is a higher authority than any authority of man. And that goes for husbands, that goes for parents, that goes for bosses, that goes for governors, that goes for kings. So that does not undo what Peter is teaching us. Teachers, uh, Peter is teaching us to be in subjection to earthly authorities wherever you live and whoever those authorities may be. But if and when there's a conflict, and there are conflicts sometimes, then sometimes you just have to stand your ground. And if it means persecution, if it means firing, if it means any of these things, trust in the Lord your God that he will simply open another door somewhere else or work the situation out to your good. Because if we cave, okay, if we cave to earthly authorities to please earthly authorities rather than heavenly, which is to say our heavenly father, then aren't we choosing another God over God? Are we not committing a kind of idolatry? And I'm not trying to interpret and twist things here. It really makes very clear sense. Or, or else why even bother trying to serve God at all? Let's just go with the flow of society wherever it requires us to go. And if they ban the Bible, so that never happened in America. <laughs> you give some folks in this country half a chance, they'll do it. Okay. So if they ban the Bible, don't throw away your Bible. Hide it really well. I don't know. You have to figure that one out yourself. Okay. Better yet, won't you just memorize that thing? There's a lot there. So that's easier said than done. I understand. But, you know, if they ban coming to church, don't, don't worry. We'll still find some way of getting together. All right. If they make Christianity illegal, they did that in medieval Japan, did you know? They did. It flourished there. Catholic Christianity flourished there for a time, uh, for quite a number of years, and uh, gathered a massive following. And so other people felt threatened. And so there was a man that rose to power, and he said, all Christians, you leave or you die. And they enforced that. Well, there were a lot of people that chose death. There were a lot of people that chose exile. And there were a lot of people that kept it in secret for hundreds of years, something like 200 or more years, and not, not to get lost in a history lesson, but until um, American Admiral William Perry, I believe it was, steamed into their harbors in the late, 19, late 1800s and forced them to open their borders again. So that's another story. So 
Yes, we're subject to earthly authorities, but not where those authorities require us to sin. Not where they require us to sin. Let's move on. Now in verse 21, this is the new stuff. For even hereunto were ye called. In other words, even unto this were ye called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. Ouch. That's something that should cut some of us to the heart right there. Because the flesh naturally rises up when someone comes at us. The flesh naturally rises up when someone reviles us or reviles us for our faith. Something like that. We want to retaliate and revile them back. That's our sense of justice as it has been distorted by the sin nature. But Christ has left us a better example. We can actually take all three of these paragraphs, 13, 14, um, 7, 8, 9, which is verses 13 forward. We can take all of these as leading to this paragraph right here. Christ has left us a better example. Now, Christ is the king of kings. We agree on that. We understand that from scripture. He's the king of kings. And yet for the fulfillment of God's plan, he let himself be subjected to earthly authorities, even unto the death of the cross. That's a high mark to shoot for, for us. It really is to be obedient even unto that. Okay. Not that he, not that he sinned in doing so, but he subjected himself to that. So we have this example in the previous paragraph about uh, enduring suffering wrongfully, even when we not, we haven't done anything wrong. And then he gives us the reason why in verse 21 forward. He said, for hereunto, even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Sometimes you really just have to throw your case into the hands of God and trust that when the lawyers are against you and the judge rules against you, you know, whether it's a, in a court of law or when it's a situation on a job or it's a situation within a family or whatever the case may be, you just have to commit your, you just have to commit your cause to God. And trust that that ultimate judge will iron it all out one way or another, even if it's in a way that we do not see or understand how it's going to work out. So let's see how all this ties into other scriptures about leaning not to your own understanding. Just if we can reach back to the previous series of Bible studies we were in near the beginning of this year, uh, with leaning not to your own understanding, but trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Trusting in him, he'll establish your steps. He'll make the way known. So it says that he threatened not, speaking of Christ, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who is, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Now let's stop here. Because that's the ultimate expression of this kind of suffering of injustice. Now, there's some people that, that to whom this is a very big pill to swallow. It's like, I'll endure anything that I got coming to me if I've done wrong. 
but how dare you ask me to suffer for something I did not do? I am very careful to talk about this, okay? Because this part of it anyway, because I don't really care to be tested in this. But if that's what the Lord has for me, that's what the Lord has for me. How do we react when we get blamed for something we didn't do? Christ's example doesn't mean you can't put up a defense, okay? But certainly when it comes when it when it becomes an issue of your Christianity, we have Christ's example. We have Christ's example. You can mount your defense. You can stand and say, well, look, you know, I didn't do what you're accusing me of doing. But they're either going to believe you or they're not. And if they don't, well, then what are you going to do? Are you going to breathe out threatenings and slaughter? Will we do like a couple of the disciples did and, and, and tell Jesus to call down fire from heaven? Or say, shall we call down fire from heaven like Elijah did and burn these wicked people up? You remember what Jesus said today? He rebuked them and said, you know not what spirit you're of. Will we be taken by or exhibit a spirit of vengeance and bitter resentment? Or will we, in real Christ-like humility, commit our cause to God? God is a righteous judge. And sometimes you just, we have to just be okay with committing our cause to his hands and then just going with whatever's happening. Okay, someone has done you wrong. God's got it covered. Don't you worry about it. You don't have to go knife their tires. You don't have to go do them some sort of evil because every example of Jesus Christ for us condemns that. Every example of Jesus Christ for us is one of leave that with the Lord. That doesn't mean that you stay in a terrible situation if you can get out of it. It means that you don't take vengeance yourself. For he hath said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And there's reasons for that, okay? And I know we've kind of segued a little bit, but I want to cover this very, very carefully, very thoroughly. There's reasons why God reserves vengeance for himself. Because a lot of times, man, even good men, even godly men, women as well, we don't always know when to quit. It's like we want justice and we want payback, but a lot of times we want to render it with interest. And that's not what God wants. God is the righteous judge. He is the just judge. And he is also the merciful judge. Better for us. It really is. And and the Spirit of the Lord is really confirming this. Better for us that we simply be merciful children of light and not vengeful agents of wrath. There's enough people in the world that do that. There's enough groups and belief systems in the world that promote that or allow for that. Let's be different. Let's be forgiving. Let's find a good way out of a bad situation if we can. And let's entrust our causes unto the Lord our God. Amen? Amen. So he says in verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Speaking of the cross, it wasn't a tree, it was a cross, but the crosses were made out of trees, so there's no contradiction there. He bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. Jesus endured false accusations for us. Jesus endured the wrath of God for us. 
And that's something we can't ever lose sight of. It wasn't just a case of he said, oh, well, you know, I've got what it takes to pay for these people's sins. I'm just going to pay for it and then everything's going to be groovy. No, you have to understand what that payment meant. It meant being falsely accused. It meant being falsely and unjustly tried. It meant being beaten and tortured and ultimately nailed to a cross. He didn't have any of that coming to him. This was the king of kings. He should have been worshipped, honored, followed, obeyed, loved, revered above all other men. He should have been all of those things. And he will be. He will be. That's still coming. There's coming a time. New heavens, new earth, all of that. The millennium that precedes all of that. That's all coming. But we have his example here. He bare our sins, which he shouldn't have had to, but he opted to, the Father desired him to, that we might be redeemed. He says that we, this is halfway through verse 24, right about, he says that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Even his stripes purchased our healing, our physical healing. That's still a thing that has not been taken away from the church. There's no scripture that says it has been. For ye were, verse 25, for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned under the shepherd and bishop of your soul. All of this presents us with fairly comprehensive teaching on how to live in a fallen and an unjust world. So, but, but I'm a Christian now. Surely I shouldn't have to endure such indignities. Who said? And maybe we shouldn't have to, but Jesus did. And if our Lord did, do we remember what he taught us back in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 10? I think it was chapter 10. The servant is not above his master. The disciple is not above his Lord. If our Lord was unjustly accused and unjustly persecuted, if our Lord was uh, expected to take upon himself blame for other people's guilt, then we can't rightly expect to dodge that bullet indefinitely. And that's not to say that it's going to happen. You might it, might. it might not shake out that way for you. But if it does, remember, we're not above Jesus. The best we can hope for and the best we can strive for and we should be striving for is to be as our Lord and as our master in the way that he handled things as well as the things that he taught. Thank you for listening to Come to the Table, Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. Included in these presentations are red-letter studies on the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, historical studies on the Old Testament, topical studies on biblical doctrines, and practical studies on Christian life. If you enjoyed this presentation, you can support our efforts by contributing at www.myntcc.org backslash giving